0: Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, maybe I do know best, we welcome back Dr. Noreen Russell to talk about listening to yourself when you first learn your child is differently wired. Plus, this is clean. Woo! It's just me wooing. It's just me wooing for you. Why? Well, I'll tell you, it's because it's been a crazy week and we've put the show together like a puzzle. And this piece... Is clearly floating around inside my bag, so I will launch into this. Actually, I will say we need more woos, everybody. We you you feel free to call the hotline and leave us some check-ins. Here's my check-in. I had a colonoscopy. Hot diggity dog! Everything came out well in the end. Ellis was fascinated by the fact that I had a camera uh, that was up my butt, and. <laughs> I got to tell you, the the process was not that bad. I encourage everybody to get one done. Get some sucky candy so that when you're drinking that goop, you got to drink to flush the system. You can put a little, you know, lemon drop or something in your mouth to help get the taste out. But it's not that bad. It was 100% worth it to know that everything is where it's supposed to be. And there's nothing surprising there except for a small patch of tiny hemorrhoids to which my mother said, any woman who's ever had a baby's got those. <laughs> Thank you, Mom, sounding like a sailor this time. So I encourage everybody to go out and get one. And here's what's funny is the day after, I <laughs> feel renewed. I feel like I have this renewed energy. And I believe it's because my gut was entirely emptied. Now I got to you know, I'm going to fill it back up with garbage, everybody. Today I had waffle fries. But I'm just saying, in my non-scientific brain, I'm thinking, oh, am I so, like, alert and quick-witted and, like, on it because <laughs> my, my system's clean? Maybe. Maybe. But not enough for me to put effort into keeping it that way. Uh, what else? Uh, that's, you know what? That is the main thing that is happening. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to remind everybody that, as always, we would love you to leave a review on iTunes. We've got really great, awesome merch over at MaxFunStore.com. We got a low bar t-shirt. We got a I Did It sweatshirt. And we got that sweet, sweet One Bed Mother trucker hat. So go over there and check it out. And with that said, I will encourage you to stick around because... Today, I will be sharing the results of Alice's neuropsych evaluation with our return guest, the lovely, very smart Dr. Noreen Russell, to talk about what it means when you've got news you can use.
1: Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring people back from the dead. That would be crazy, but the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org.
0: To be welcoming back to the show, Dr. Noreen Russell. You may remember her from episode, I think it was 437. Is that correct? I believe that's about, mm, yes, 437. Hot dog. You may remember her from that But if you don't, let me remind you, Dr. Noreen Russell began Russell Coaching for students 14 years ago. Since that time, her practice has grown to one of the largest international student coaching practices in the world, seeing hundreds of students each month. The entire team at Russell Coaching is committed to wholeheartedly supporting the psychological well-being, successful education, and healthy, happy family life of their clients Welcome back, Dr. Russell.
2: (laughs) Oh, Biz, I'm delighted to be here. I really am. There's so much to say about all of these topics.
0: There really, really is. And I've got a big reveal for you when we get into it. But before the big reveal, (laughs) who lives in your house? Anything new?
2: (laughs) Who lives in my house? So my 14 and a half year old son (laughs) who is part toddler and part responsible young man. And that is just really um, fun and fascinating and infuriating, And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, you know it, right? But then when you see it and you have to live with it, yeah. And then my newly
0: turned 13-year-old. Yeah, and when you know it. You see it. You see it and you know it. I got one of those too.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> and then
2: my co-parent, the children's dad, lives at our house.
0: <laughs> you say co-parent. That is but that is, are they also your partner or just co-parent? You know biz, is that an interesting question that's none of my business? <laughs> <laughs> he is we were married. Yep. For yes. 19 years,
2: and he is no longer my life partner, but yes. you know, Biz, people out there will appreciate this. We are trend setting, I'll yes. tell you, because in the New York Times in the fall, there was an entire story about couples who had been together, you know, yes. romantically, intimately connected, <laughs> attacked, and who, for whatever reason, did not end up moving out of their joint household. So for us, it's because our kids both have special needs and we think it would be really hard for them to go back and forth. And you know what, Biz? Yeah. Housing, not cheap. No. Not cheap. So we've kind of been roommates for 10 years anyway. And so we're still roommates and we're co-parenting and we have a great friendship. And I'm really thankful to him because he... Just did a lot of great hard work last year to get
0: this place. I gotta tell you, good job. I see you. Because that couldn't have... I mean, that's a whole bunch of weird, interesting layers happening all at once. And, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all about it. Whatever works works, and uh, you know, you are at the right show, because we know households are made up in all kinds of ways. Well, and then you can layer into this, yeah. I'm dating somewhat seriously. Oh my so, you God, know. this show has just turned into a soap opera. Love it. Yes. Screw, yes. Screw, and, screw, uh, you know <laughs> everything else. <laughs> all
2: calm, and everyone is friendly and loving, and the kids are the top priority, and... I'd love it. My therapist was like, okay, you guys are, you are setting the bar high for couples who want to, you know, do this well
0: and put kids at the forefront. Yeah. Congratulations on everybody being fairly healthy in that house mentally. Anyway, I love it. Clearly, I I wasn't ready for any of this, Dr. Russell. (laughs) I would have had a total different series of questions to ask you. So let's all let's remember this. This is very, very good. Okay. Okay. So big reveal. Da da, da, da. So I've got the two kids, the 13-year-old and the uh, nine-year-old. And the nine-year-old just got their assessment back. Oh, Dr. Russell's giving me the eyes. I, <laughs> whoo, do tell. None of it that surprising. Actually, some was surprising. The stuff that didn't turn up was surprising. But the three big takeaways were, mm-hmm. I always like to lead with, with this, because who doesn't? Super genius. Okay, like freakish, freakish, 99th percentile, blah, 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 blah. I know. Perfect, perfect child. The next thing I'm going to tell you is also perfect. Their processing speed is like sixth percentile. Like the complete opposite. So no surprise, this is why they're mad all the time. And autism. So high-functioning autism, which was once for people of my generation, Tourette's, just because I can associate with that. I know the language now is it's been folded into autism spectrum. And the assessment was fascinating. The process was great. My husband and I, we like leave and he's like, it's news we can use. And I'm like, yes, it is. And then about two weeks later, after one of Ellis's, now we refer to it as stuck moments, as opposed to a different language that I would have used prior, which is, I'm losing my, I am broken inside. Me, the mother, still broken inside, thinks, like literally walked away from the meltdown and came into my room and Got sad and was like, how am I supposed to use this news? I don't, this isn't, I have names for stuff now, but I don't feel any closer to knowing what I'm supposed to do. And I'm already really tired. So I want to start by asking sort of two things of you. One, because these might tie together. One What is the biggest question? Oh, yeah. And by the way, we're going to come back in a couple of years and see if the ADHD kicks in. (laughs) I was like, just ADHD at all. Yeah, where's the ADHD? It's coming. It's coming. Probably. I would be very surprised if it does not show up. So, when people come to you, what is one of the parents outside of, uh, you know, my child? What is sort of the largest concern? that you find across the board. And how do you explain to me what news I can use? What is that? Like, how, how is this helpful? Like, I mean, I know it's helpful, but I'm too tired to process how helpful it is. Right, right.
2: So this is where we start. When when a parent comes to my practice, and we see, you know, parents a- across the United States who In all stages of this, they've had a diagnosis for several years. They just got a diagnosis yesterday. The one thing they all have in common is they are exhausted (laughs) and they are frustrated. Yeah. They're exhausted, they are frustrated, and they are underprepared. And so, honestly, sure, there's news you can use to help. But the first thing that we have to do, the absolute first thing we have to do is spend some time just myself and the parents or the co-parents and process. What does this mean to you? What does this feel like to you? What are your worries? What are your concerns, right? Because We can't go from having a diagnosis immediately into, okay, what does my child need? Because I'm just going to do that. You know,
0: (laughs) I thought that's what it was going to be. Thank you very much. To be honest, I mean, I wasn't jumping on it because I'm tired, but a couple other things happening in my life. But I did think, all right, when we're ready, because we're not necessarily in a crisis point, we'll gather the books and the resources and the troops and we'll get started. And then I was like, wow, there are hundreds of different directions. Not only could I go, this is a big rabbit hole. There are, uh, I mean, that's just work on itself. The first thing that has to happen
2: when we get these diagnoses is you have to sit. You have to sit. In the quiet, and as, you know, one of my (laughs) role models and idols would say, listen to your small, still voice. Listen, listen, listen. Listen to what you've been told from whoever did the evaluation. Listen to what your heart is saying, right? Listen to what your mind is saying. But we have absolutely got to carve out that space individually, and then if we are co-parenting as co-parents to talk about how does this feel for us? What does this bring up for us? Because if we don't start that honesty at the beginning, right, it gets buried underneath the, well, I need an IEP tomorrow and I need to buy 10 books and I need to be in this (laughs) program. And my kid really needs 14 hours of ABA or my kid doesn't need any hours of ABA. And what is ABA? And, you know, You get so wrapped up in all of the choices and the options that you have that it is just so important to start and to continuously be listening to your own small, still voice. And of all of the millions of mistakes I made raising my kids, and I'm not done making mistakes or raising them, but I will say... I listened when I had clarity that my son, even though he was a good reader, he needed to repeat kindergarten, right? I had clarity when my daughter needed to be tested a third time for gifted, right? I had clarity when they needed to move schools. And I did it. And I I listened to myself, right? Instead of surveying everyone. Well, what would you do? What would you do? What would you do? Yeah. And this- you know, this is hard because we want to have a village, right? Like, okay, where's my village of autism moms? Right. You know what? There might be autism moms in your village, but this one, this autism mom, well, her kid is three and nonverbal. And this autism mom, her kid is 11 and also has dyslexia. And this autism mom, her kid is eight and also has severe ADHD. Like, yeah, it's
0: not like, these are all the kids with freckles, or these are all the kids who it really is. No. It is hard to find, like, even, and I I do agree with the suggestion that's been made of, you know, finding some peers, right, who, for Ellis, that are also autistic, I, 100%. But then I sometimes think... (laughs) I sometimes think of two magnets that like you try and put them together, but the you're you haven't flipped one over, and so they're like creating that weird invisible space you all know what I'm talking about. We're like that's where my mind starts to go of like, well, if Alice gets you know stuck with this sort of thing, and um, this kid gets stuck with this, this is, everybody's just going to be stuck as opposed to picking the kid who just rolls with stuff. Love that kid. Love the kid who rolls with stuff. That's our target demographic of friends. I'm like, good.
2: (laughs) And I really think this is where we have to listen to our parent wisdom because there is no one right way to do it. Let's not say, okay, your kid with autism needs friends with autism. That might work. It might not. It yeah. might work for six months. It might work for a year. It might not work at all. We've never really had that much success pairing our kids with other kids who have autism, because you put kind of similar limitations or similar interaction styles together, and it's like nobody's kind of driving the bus. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Say, Hi, how are you? Would you like something to drink? What do you want to do today? You know. Yeah. <laughs> and so. That has not been my experience that that is great. But as a parent, if you can find through Facebook groups, if you can find through, you know, kind of parent coaching groups, find some parents whose autism journey is like yours. I think those people are invaluable. So for me, right, I had to find parents who had kids with autism, ADHD, anxiety, and high IQ.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, they're just everywhere. Oh, they're at <laughs> the I mean, grocery store. That's yeah. Right. You're in Target and you guys oh, all uh-huh. have matching t shirts, and you're like, sure. hey, obviously. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So easy. So easy. Right. It's a huge club, million strong. Yeah. Million strong. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I agree. Finding the peer group for yourself has value I actually want to kind of go back and say it feels like at least for me and this is this is with age comes the wisdom everybody because I think in the past I would have just jumped right in trying to find a peer group for myself but I think the sitting by yourself And if you're in a partnered situation or a co-parenting situation or whoever your immediate support is, getting that on the same page, I'm thinking about, like, lots of people, including me and my partner, Stefan. We got married. We had kids. We knew we wanted to do both of those things. We like each other. We're reasonable people. And then we began to realize there were some things we should have talked about uh, just to get on the same page. You think you're on the same page because you live in the same house. You're not. And I will be very clear, everybody, it was usually me (laughs) who was reading a different book. All right? But it feels like already with having the language around Ellis now, before, without the language, I almost feel like, it was easier for Stefan and I to find balance with how we were interacting and handling and engaging Ellis. And now that we have the language, and again, with no real research, everybody, just word of mouth and read and Google, Stefan will come and make a joke that's very literal. And, you know, I'll, and Ellis will respond with the like, why, no, don't eat me, right? Like, like I'm going to eat you, you're delicious. Don't, right? And I'm like- I just like in my body. I'm like, oh, why would you even do that? You know, that's a thing. You know, no, you know. And then I think, <laughs> but it's, but it's part of s- s- who Stefan is, right? I mean, you know, you get these diagnoses and you start reading them and you start thinking about yourself and you're like, who? Yeah, they. <laughs> so Stefan and I are becoming keenly aware of where we might fall in some places. But listening to you talk about the, the voice and. How do you think you should move forward? That's one of those discussions. If you're like with the other parent, with a co-parent, with another adult who engages with your child regularly, like a grandparent, an aunt, beginning that discussion, that seems like an easy one to think you'll be on the same page for. Do you have thoughts on ideas for beginning those discussions? You know, I think it starts
2: with yourself in quiet time and digesting. Okay. You know, my son was eight when he was diagnosed. My daughter was six when she was diagnosed with autism. Both took me sort of several months to really integrate that into how I thought about them. It wasn't that I disagreed with the diagnosis. It was really just, I needed to process what that meant for me. And I needed to feel ready to be their strongest advocate. And I needed to kind of put these mental pieces together. Okay, what does autism and ADHD and anxiety and giftedness look like? how how do I need to go out into the world to be the best mom I can be? Then starting the conversation with your co-parent or possibly a grandparent or a caregiver in your house. You know, that part I think is, is just an invitation. You know, we had some conversation last time I was on about just warm, loving conversation. Like, You know, Cecilia, when you've got time sometime, I would really like to sit down and kind of talk through what I've learned about autism and some of the things that I didn't know that are really striking me right now. I'd like to hear your thoughts and how you're feeling. And then eventually, you know, I'd like for this to be, you know, a thing where we can support each other and we can move forward in a fairly united way. But I know that it's going to require having additional conversations and sometimes some difficult conversations. You know, my co-parent and I went through a lot of discussions about choosing schools and there were things we loved about certain schools. And I was like, over my dead effing body, right? (laughs) happening and that was one of the hardest things for us is I would have this gut sense like okay we're done here right. like this this no longer works right and I'd gotten a lot of input that you know you live year by year semester by semester what works may not work forever you know and we had a number of heated discussions about schools and school choice and and just had to keep coming back to, okay, let's try again. Tell me why you think this school is working for our kids. And right. I'm going to tell you why I think it's not working. And a lot of listening. There are things that that we individually go round and around about with our kids that the other one doesn't care about. Like my husband is obsessed with my daughter's sensory palate and like wanting her to eat different foods. And I'm very much like she was as a kid. And I'm like, I really don't care if she eats donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Honestly, I spent so many years trying to put the balanced diet in place and really just seeing that it was not possible, you know? So I don't even talk about it anymore. If you're gonna have pancakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, fine. You're gonna have ice cream, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Fine, that is not a hill I'm gonna die on. It doesn't even really bother me, right? My co-parent, on the other hand, it's like nails on a chalkboard to him. You know, for me, you know, one of my things is hygiene. You know, like wash your hands, wash your hair. Not so much of an issue for my co-parent. You know, and so figuring out what are the hills you're willing to suffer for and ultimately realizing there aren't very many because what you're ultimately going to want right is the same thing that you're going to want with any child you're going to want them to grow up to be a kind human being you're going to want them to grow up and be able to participate inside in society in some way to have human relationships right and so how you get there i mean we're all
0: shooting for the same End game, right? I just want to say amen to the pancakes. This is such a great example of it it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Like what your kids are like dealing with. You know what I mean? Like it's the getting through. It's getting through it. I too, I, I mean, we were just talking about this, Stefan and I the other day where I was like, yeah, I'll never, the reason I don't care about you know, them eating such and such is because I had a day where I said, I'm never going to have another day where I'm crying at in the kitchen because I'm trying to make some sort of meal that everyone will like. And I'm not going to force this kid who doesn't want to try stuff into trying stuff. A- a- again, the only person getting really upset is me. And, and the kid's not eating anything as opposed to just eating a pancake you know like I'm I'm so this was a very um this must
2: be a very common awkward yeah. moment in the dating arena of, <laughs> oh I'm the mom with the kids with autism and you're yeah. the dad with the fairly typical kids I, I'm not saying without issues right <laughs> and and you know he's <laughs> so very gentle and so very loving yeah And he's trying to kind of make sense of what happens in my house, right? Which is what happens in my house is so different from what happens in anyone else's house. I get that. And he just, in the most gentle, like, tell me more sort of way was like, well, you know, we did. We always were able to eat meals together as a family. And there was no judgment to it. No, there wasn't. I mean, people would read that and they're going to be like, oh, it's so judgy. It was not judgy. It was like an invitation to dialogue about why do we have four different meals at four different times for four different people? And I was like, I can tell you exactly why we have four meals for four people at four times. And I can also tell you the number of hours Mm -hmm. I agonized it. And the number of conversations I had with the therapist and the psychiatrist. And you know what? Yeah. Everyone ultimately concluded not a hill to die on. And so I'm not dying on it. Yeah.
0: Like that's a great thing over there. I am so glad that that's working. Good job. No, honest, I'm with you. Honestly, if there's something, <laughs> I will always remember we had this guest at one of our live shows. I love him dearly. And he's like, uh, talking about how hard it is to feed the, his toddler. And I said, oh, well, what do you guys have for dinner? And it is the most incredible, like, amazing, like, I think it was Indian food one night, and like all these different spices. And, and you know, and again, and the kid was actually eating it. It was just that they were having a problem with a chickpea. And I just was like, I actually am so impressed that that has, that, that magic happened in your house. Whatever spell got cast and it's like happening right now is amazing. I am not jealous. I am not. You're not doing it at me. It is something that works in your house. And so I I feel like the meal, you know, there's, oh, we're going to get so off topic. Dr. Russell, the meal thing is the thing I wish we could just, everybody could just, just get on board with the fact that it's different for all of us and it's all still okay. Right.
2: And and that's where I think only ourselves mm-hmm. can say it's okay for us. Like yeah. only I could tell myself it's okay if your children never sit at the same meal table. It's okay because... My son gets very antsy and he wants to read and he gets very nervous when like the expectation is conversation because he feels like he doesn't know what to say. So he likes to come to the table with a book, eat it, you know, his meal. Sometimes his dad or I sit with him. We have a little bit of conversation, but that's just not his conversation time. It, right. It's not right. My husband, my, my kid's partner, yeah, he likes to eat by himself. That's how his mom ate. His mom ate alone after everyone else ate, right? I'm
0: so jealous.
2: (laughs) And so he will feed the kids and then go and eat in his office. My daughter will sit at the table and if somebody's around, like, she'll talk a little bit. But you know, if you listen to all the shoulds and the oughts and what's most important and top 10 ways to raise a great family, there is nothing about what's happening there. But you know, here's the thing, Biz, it's meeting my child, my children, where they're at, and it's giving them what they need. And that, the bravery that that takes is the bravery I wish for parents who are listening to this, right? You get to decide, you, you get to decide
0: who and what and how happens in your house. And I think that that brings us so perfectly back to what we started talking about, which is- Did we start on a topic, Biz? I don't know. We've been all over the place. I know, but watch this thread. I'm going to get my needle out. When we started the discussion today, it was about starting with that moment of listening quietly to yourself. And I think- Even though your expertise and we're here kind of talking about autism, ADHD, when you're you're wired differently and and, and navigating that, but in such a larger way, I've had so many discussions on this show about trusting that voice. I mean, from the moment you're pregnant, it, it is very easy to feel... Like, you should question every instinct that you have. And people are, in fact, telling you not to trust your instincts sometime or to double, you know, uh, guess yourself. You have an infant in your house. Same. You know, I really think my baby just needs this really deep, throttled rocking. Like, I mean, Raiden, we used to scream at the top of our lungs, hush little baby. I mean, at a crazy volume. And it's what put that child to sleep every night. Not Oh, but it was that, but no, the books say I should be blah, blah, blah. And then the feeding, then the sleeping, then the school, the clothes, the what, whatever it is. And I, it's ultimately trusting the voice inside of you that this is what works for me and for my family. You know, I mean, I, I just, I don't think we do that enough, or I don't think we're encouraged to do that enough.
2: Well, and I think you've said something very important there. And and over the past year, as my ex and I have, have separated, you said, we need to figure out what works for us mm-hmm. and for our ch- children or our family, right? Yeah. I think there are a lot of moms like us who have these complex kids and we were high achievers and we're driven and spending hours. We're spending literally years of our lives figuring out what's going to work for this child or both children I have, or what's going to work for the family. And one of the things that quite candidly, I have had to come to terms with, and I it's something I talk with my therapist a lot about, is sometimes what works for the kids doesn't work for me. And so then how do we navigate that as yeah. mothers, as parents, right? Like my child would prefer this, but this does not work for me. And I think there are a lot of moms of kids, let's just let's just say kids with special needs, differently wired, yeah. who end up, they become sort of the full-time
0: mm-hmm. caretaker
2: of that child because school isn't very helpful and the IEP isn't very helpful right. and things aren't working in therapy. And we don't know if we need ABA and we don't know if we need a tutor and the pressure is on. And I think one of the most difficult transitions that I've had to make is to come out of the, okay, what works for my kids and put myself back in that equation. And I... It's hard. I've got to think there are parents out there listening to your podcast who can relate to this, who feel like they have given up their lives for their child. And it's not that they regret it, but at no. some point you realize
0: you have to weave yourself back in. And and it's hot. biz, I'm telling it's you It's hard. It's not impossible, but I I joke it's impossible because it's most certainly something that even for myself is has been a years and years I mean from the moment the first one flew out I was like wow I did not oh how am who am I how am I what happened to the self where is the self I am a self am I still a self no not even a little and so you know we're 13 years in and I I am still even even as like even with the right language and the therapy and the i 'm considering this and this thought, and then uh, but I know that we 're about to go through this with this child and th- uh, so I should wait and put that on hold and then uh. and this is true for sandwich generation people who are also caring for other members in their family. It is i, I oh God, we are talking too long it 's so good i 'll always remember this woman at work when I was an executive assistant in New York, no kids, you know, uh, having the fun with the money. (laughs) And I I was surrounded by a lot of female bosses, which is such a great thing, such a privilege. And one of them said she got pregnant shortly after starting at the company. And she said, you know, we were having a discussion once and she was like, I couldn't, Hold off pursuing my career because I might be trying to have a baby. And I can't put off trying to start a family and just say, I'll do my career after I do it. Like, and I remember thinking, again, are you a witch? And I, I think about it all the time and I think to myself, that makes so much sense. I, it is logic. It is, I mean, it is just the most obvious, duh. And yet I can't do it. <laughs> and so at least we should say, I, I just want you to know, I, it was in my head when I was like, what works for you and for your family? That's years of doing this show and therapy, my friend, is getting that to come out first. Ugh. Well, next time you'll have to come back on and explain executive function to me. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. I can in, the, do that. in the meantime, Doctor Russell, I am so grateful to have you come back on and to talk with me about a little of everything. But really, I think at the core, just how how we as selves sort of navigate. When we learn something new about our kids or our kids have needs, I mean, whether it's whether it's a special need or whether it's just whatever the next milestone is, it's very easy to lose yourself in that. And again, like you said, it's not to a fault. It's not a bad thing either. It's not like don't beat yourself up for it. It's a balance that we have been conditioned to ignore. <laughs> Well, and I'm excited to share with you, you know, I've
2: always done individual parent coaching. And this year at the beginning of 2023, we piloted these small groups for parents of kids with ADHD. Mm -hmm. We're now on our third round of that course. And we are going to start offering next month, a course on parenting for kids with autism. Oh, hello we limit it to just 10 participants so you've still got that small group atmosphere it's 5 weeks the regular fee is 295 but we would be happy to extend an offer of 250 for your audience
0: Ooh. we
2: have got these mapped out for the rest of the year and the feedback that we got from the first two courses was just phenomenal like this was a space for me to figure out what I needed to do (laughs) to better understand my child and to take an action plan forward. So it's all up on our website at Russell Coaching. You can register online. So it's small group coaching and we're doing sessions for parents of kids with ADHD and parents of kids with autism. And of course, always knowing that those often come together. And so the conversation does interweave, but we really recommend that if you have a kid with both diagnoses, you take both classes. They're really
0: different. They're really different. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if it, (laughs) I think that was what it was, was looking at the list of recommendations on our assessment. And it was like, and realizing that they were grouped by different, You know, uh, discovering like here's this is what your one for gifted. This is your one for autism. This is your one for processing. This and I was like, oh my god, can't we just put it in one soup? Everybody, we're going to. In case you're like me and you don't walk around with a pen in your hand and you have a horrible memory because you have given all of your brains uh, to the things living in your house, uh, we are going to have the link to where you can find out. More about Dr. Russell and Russell Coaching and these group seminars and this very, very generous discounted price for One Bed Mother listeners. That is so generous. Thank you so much. And again, you are doing a great job, Dr. Russell, in your magic house. (laughs) It is kind of magical. You know, what we say is love wins. Yeah, exactly. Or, or as we say in our house, everybody's doing the best they can. <laughs> better, better than they have to be. <laughs> yep. absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
1: Hello Dreamers, this is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur-murder them? I'm gonna wreck it! They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera, or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime! Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is steeplechase. The Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org.
2: Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206 350 nine four eight five that's two oh six three five zero nine four eight five
0: genius fail time genius mimi wow oh my god oh my god i saw what you did oh my god i'm paying attention wow you mom are a genius oh my god that's fucking genius my genius is i am taking care of my my health I'm calling with a genius. It's a small genius, but I feel like it should be
1: celebrated nonetheless. So my seven-year-old can swallow pills. This is amazing because he hates all the taste of all the medicine. So it's wonderful. He has an ear infection. We tell the doctor, hey, he can swallow pills. Can we get antibiotics in a pill form? She said, sure, that's actually better. Great. So I go pick them up thinking this is a child's dose. So it will be small because he has only swallowed fairly small pills at this point. And I open it up, and this pill is almost one inch by almost half an inch. It is huge. It is bigger than my multivitamin. Uh, so I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I took a moment, and I think, what should I? Do? what's the move here? Do I hype him up and call attention to the fact that it's so big, or should I just give it to him and see what happens? And I chose to give it to him. And he took it like a champ, like it was nothing. So, yay, I made the right choice. My son can (laughs) swallow giant pills, which I couldn't do until I was well into high school. So, hooray for him. And I'm doing a great job. Thanks for the show. Bye.
0: You are doing a good job. That is what my family referred to as horse pills. (laughs) Those are big old pills. That is a huge pill. Good job. The road divides in a wood and which road do you take? And I tend to be a person who takes the road of trying to hype them up. And this is not always a a happy road or a road that turns out to be the direction I wanted to go in. And I think you are remarkable for just not trying to control any of it and just seeing what happened. That is so next level and awesome. You are doing such a great job. Failures.
2: Fail, 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 fail.
0: You suck. Okay, I will fail myself. Um, I have not been doing any little crafty or arting things in a while, and I really needed to. And so I got some little paints. And I got a little piece of cardboard to be my little palette to empty the paint on and sat at my desk. And I did some little paintings and it was nice. And then it was time to go get ready for dinner. So I went and got ready for dinner and I did not clean up my paint because why? It's my desk. Who would come to my desk? Well, a cat would. A cat would jump up on my desk, which is already pretty cluttered. And so as a result, they stepped right in that paint and uh, it's everywhere. You know, it's not an easy paint to, I mean, it's like acrylic paint. It's not washable. I mean, it's the kind of paint where you're like, oh, I could, I could get that off if I rub it, but if it gets on your clothes, it's there forever. So that's been fun. That is really disappointing.
3: Hi, This is a fail. I hope these messages play back-to-back because I just called an hour ago with a genius of going yeah. to the grocery store while my kid is at Girl Guides today. Got an hour <laughs> and a half. Go get the groceries done by myself. Listen to my audio book, which is due tomorrow, which I did. Great. Got a whole hour of my audio book <laughs> done. But... Turns out the grocery store takes a little longer than I could have anticipated, and now I am currently 10 minutes late picking up my kid from Girl Guides. It's not a huge deal because we are friends with the leader, so my kid knows the leader personally and not just as her leader, but, you know, still doesn't make me feel great that I thought I was getting away with something and now I'm going to be late. I'm not going to hear the end of it from my seven-year-old. No. You're late, Mom, and I'm going to hear it every single time. Don't be late. So that's my Karen turn fail. Oops, thanks for the show. I'm doing a, a good job,
0: an okay job. At least it's only 10 minutes and not an hour. Wow, wow. You really messed up. And what you did was you thought you could, you know, it's that window between dropping a kid off at an activity and picking them back up. That window of time is so I don't think it operates like normal time. Let's say I have one solid hour. Okay, that's that's removing the pickup drop off any lines that may be involved any parking and walking in. Let's say you got a full solid hour. Is that enough time to go home? I don't know. So it feels like it should be like when you're home and an hour passes, you're like that I should be coming home between. And then, or I should be able to go to the store. How long does it take to go to the store? That only takes 30 minutes. That's going to leave me like all this extra time. But then somehow the space-time continuum is altered and you're either sitting way too long in front of the place you're picking up and you're just weird, or you are running late. And when you're running late, Your children will, in fact, never let you for, they will have already forgotten a million other things. Anything you ask them to do, uh, homework, where they put something that they put somewhere, but you not picking them up on time. Oh yeah. Do you remember that time you didn't pick me up? Do you remember that? Did you? I was there all by myself, alone, in the cold. It was, I, I was selling matches. (laughs) Well, you're doing a horrible job trying to balance it all.
3: (laughs) You are the
1: greatest mom I've ever known. I love you,
3: I love you.
1: When I...
0: All right, everybody, let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. This is a rant. (laughs) My five-year-old
3: just lit a pile of tissue paper on fire in our house, (laughs) and I grabbed the fire extinguisher, (laughs) but I didn't know how to use it. (laughs) Luckily, everything is okay. Everyone is okay. He's alive, still giving me space, thank God. I'm a nanny. I was supposed to go to work, and I was debating calling out because I have been calling out recently since everybody's been sick a lot, and they texted me and said that they have to pick up their kid early from school, so I'm very glad, (laughs) very glad
0: I don't have to do that, at least. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, first of all, you are doing a remarkable job. Here's the thing about a situation like this and trying to figure out how to talk about it. Because what you need to hear is that it's okay, you're okay, your child is okay, and you are safe. So that is what I'm going to tell you you are okay. Your child is okay. You and your child are safe. I don't know, and I don't need to know what the circumstances were that led to this thing happening. What I have learned is that all kinds of things that we never thought would happen or would even be a thing to consider Can happen in your house when there's a kid in there and it's one of those experiences that none of us need to be told how we could have prevented it or why did we even like have tissue paper in the house right like I mean none of that we don't need to hear that we know it you know it we know it I know it we all know it the moment we do something like you know uh First time a baby rolls off a changing table, you learn. You've got it. You don't need anybody to talk to you anymore about it. <laughs> You've got it, right? And you're still doing a good job. I can imagine that you are feeling so tired and so scared and so haggard after something like this. And I just want you to know that you are doing a, a good job okay? And that I see you. Everybody, I am so thankful for that conversation with Dr. Russell. I, You know, I really, really like it when we come back to the reminder that you you know what is best for your family. I'm not saying you're a doctor and you should perform surgery on your child. I'm I'm so, you know, but I'm saying you've got good instincts, and we should get better at listening to those or listening to the questions that we might be having or concerns we might be having. You know, oh, maybe I should take my kid in to get that checked out, or maybe I should speak to the teacher about this thing that I, I think might be, oh, and probably just overthinking and being silly, or you're right. Or you're spot on. You know your kid best. And you also know yourself best. And we must remember that. Okay, guys? Because you're all doing an amazing job. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.
3: I got to load down Mama Blues. I got to down Mama Blue. Guys, slow down mama blue down slow down down that right.
0: We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer Gabe Mara, my husband Stefan Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com.
2: One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join.
1: Well, daddy, baby, fuss and bite, not throw down
0: Mama Blue. Oh, said
2: daddy, baby, fuss and bite, not low down Mama Blue. Yeah. MaximumFun.org.
3: Comedy and culture.
2: Artist owned, audience supported.